Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. Our next guest on Be Brave at Work is Alessandria Polizzi, who pivoted her 20-year human resource and organizational development career to create a solution for addressing leadership and organizational challenges in the new world of work. Alessandria launched Verdant Resiliency in 2021 to provide practical, simple, science-based skill building to help organizations pivot more quickly, manage conflict, deepen teamwork, and cope with stress. With their global affiliates, Verdant Resiliency offers programs for any industry, including healthcare, education, banking, and startups. In a world of accelerated change, your workforce is already in overload, and I think we all know that. Resiliency skills have been scientifically proven to help teams and leaders prevent burnout, drive innovation, improve coping, and bounce back more quickly from setbacks Alessandra, we are thrilled to have you with us today on Be Brave at Work. Happy to be here. Thanks, Ed. So I did a brief introduction of you, and I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about your background and how you are currently interacting in the marketplace. Absolutely. So I'm a former chief people officer uh, who left to reboot my consulting company focusing on mental health at work. And so we provide services and um, educational support programs to help organizations meet the global requirements for the World Health Organization on creating psychologically healthy and safe workplaces. Wow, fantastic. Well, if there is a phrase we have probably heard more in the last two to three years than ever before, it is mental health and mental health care and what's going on in the world, right? That I know you're not a scientist, but I'm just curious, based on your experiences and work connections with organizations that you work with, you know, what's kind of going on in the world that's making this interest in mental health and mental health awareness so significant? Yeah, I think it's a, more of a, a revolution in what workers are looking for. The work that we do is around occupational health and safety focused on the inner workings of humans at work, right? So we focused on the physical side, and we also need to focus on the psychological side in order to support productivity, innovation, creativity, all the things that make people thrive at work. We know these things to be true. Everyone I speak to says, oh, that makes a ton of sense. It's just, I don't think we've had the frameworks before, nor have we had the global demand 
to require organizations to focus on the humans in the workplace? Well, physical safety, of course, is something that I'm a little bit more experienced with as a former HR leader as well. And, you know, OSHA and organizations like that were set up in the 50s or 60s and have been watchdogs for physical safety. But psychological safety is not something that there is a government entity that, you know, oversees or provides guidelines. And, you know, I think about bravery at work. And certainly one of the topics we have talked about on the podcast before is this concept of psychological safety and creating a culture where people can say what they need to say and be who they are without feeling belittled or judged or embarrassed. And, you know, I'd love to hear from your perspective a little bit more about this concept of psychological safety and maybe an example of work that you've done with a client where you've helped introduce and put a framework in that allows them to start building it. I don't think it's like a switch you turn on and off and suddenly yesterday you were not psychologically safe and today you are, but uh, it takes a little time. But tell us a little bit more about psychologically safe, psychological safety and if there is an example you can give of a company that you've worked with where you have kind of introduced this topic. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple things in what you said. Number one, in other parts of the world, there are national guidelines. So Canada, um, Mexico, Australia, they have requirements for psychological safety at work. Those guidelines come from many of the same research studies that um, influence the work that we do. The World Health Organization published in concert with the ILO. They published guidelines in this September on mental health at work that focuses on building uh, psychologically safe workplaces. I partner with the ISO, the International Organization for Standardization, which um, has a guideline called ISO 45003 that is a subset of occupational health and safety that does identify what you need to do to create psychologically safe workplaces. Uh, So all of those things uh, work in concert to give uh, clarity around what it means to be a psychologically safe workplace. So um, what we do is, uh, and I can give you an example, we worked with a local here in Boston, we're both in Boston, we worked with a local company here to help uh, institute some of these uh, guidelines. So we've um, done, we're doing an analysis of their work structures um, there are these are called psychosocial hazards or just hazards within your workplace. Same thing that you would look for for physical safety um, to identify any gaps. And those are things like, do we have role clarity? Do we understand that the workload and is the workload manageable? Um, are we clear on what good looks like? Those kinds of things. Um, all of those have been clinically proven to, in the absence of them, increase um, mental health issues in the workplace and decrease um, psychological well-being. So that's one. And then the second piece is around educating the workforce, specifically the leaders, on uh, what does it take to create a resilient and psychologically safe w- workplace. And one of the areas what we start with is a big hazard. One of the biggest hazards that you can have in work is being responsible for other people. So there's a ton of research on the specific stressors of um, leading others and being always on, the loneliness that comes with leadership, et cetera. So we help equip leaders in understanding what those risks are, mitigating those risks, and then creating the infrastructure on their teams to create the safety that you're talking about. Well, I am fascinated by this topic, so I'm so glad that you're a guest on our podcast because this is something that I have very little 
information or knowledge about. So I had no idea that Canada and other countries even had guidelines or uh, information in order to have uh, psychologically safe workplaces. And of course, it seems like the only companies that would do it is a company that wants it. You know, your employer who might be tough to work at isn't going to do it because they don't want to have that type of uh, information, et cetera. But, you know, if you're working at a place where you don't feel psychologically safe or uh, are extremely stressed out, for example, in Massachusetts, is there a place you can call or go to uh, a service that the state or the federal government provides? I know OSHA is there for physical safety, so you can file a complaint. And I'm just wondering if there's a similar entity for the more psychological side of work, uh, especially, you know, when you think about bravery at work and needing to say something and not feeling like you can or feeling if you do say something, you're going to get demoted or get in trouble. Those are not psychologically safe characteristics. Is there a place, Alessandria, that people can go for help other than your firm, of course? Yeah, of course. But actually, OSHA, you can actually. They have been recently publishing a lot of guidelines on um, research around the impact of psychological safety on physical safety and physical health. So, for example, um, OSHA uh, showed that 30% of um, musculoskeletal um, injury, which is the most costly injury you have in the and common injury you have in workplaces, 30% of those are caused by the absence of psychological safety. So, um, and I can send you from Australia, they had an amazing campaign where they showed people who had been physically injured because they were afraid to ask for help. And so that those are the things that, that OSHA also will look at. Our own Surgeon General, just in um, October, so only a few months ago, published guidelines on mental health at work. And so this is starting to become my my presumption is that within the next few years there will be more requirements from a governmental point of view here in the U.S. just like it is to our neighbors north and south. Well, again, I'm fascinated by this topic and that example you just gave that there are people in Australia who became injured because they were afraid to ask for help. That there was such an absence of psychological safety in the workplace that they didn't even have the courage or the structure or the awareness to ask for help and ultimately ended up injuring themselves. Well, even here in the U.S., so that's why OSHA says that 30% of our injuries happen. Think about it this way. I'm new. Here's a big box. I don't feel comfortable asking for someone to help me. I'm just going to go do it myself. Okay, boom, I I strain my back. So that's why our company in 2023, using these guidelines, will be certifying companies as being psychologically safe to help make it simpler for companies who do believe in um, investing in the humans that they employ and who are committed to creating flourishing and thriving organizations. They can differentiate themselves and so employees who are looking for places where they can um, be, do, do their best work can find the companies that are investing in that as well and have the infrastructure in place. So that's something in 2023 we will start doing is certifying organizations against these global guidelines so that we can start creating a common discussion around this. And is this a certification program that you have created at your firm? Is this something that's more, you know, OSHA created? Where did the certification come from? It's based on the ISO 45003 and the World Health Organization's guidelines. So we 
we blend all those together. I was elected in 2022 as the global liaison um, within ISO between HR and occupational health and safety. And so um, we, we pull all of that together um, to create the certification. Well, I will tell any of our listeners, if you work for an organization that does not feel psychologically safe, or if you own an organization or are on the board of an organization where psychological safety is an important topic, uh, Alessandra is going to give her contact information at the end of this call. Reach out to them. And this is not meant to be a marketing platform, but you're one of the first guests that we've had on that actually is providing something tangibly to help uh our client company. So thank you so much for that. And at the risk of switching topics, I do <laughs> want to talk a little bit about what brought you to my attention. So I saw a posting that you had shared uh, a, a story where you said, uh, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but something like, finally, I was brave at work or, you know, something like, you know, I finally did something that I've been meaning to do. And I just thought it would be a great story for our listeners to hear about, you know, what precipitated that or what you know, was there before what brought you to do what you did and what the outcome has been, right? Has it been fantastic that you said what you needed to say? Do you wish you never said it, before, you know, in, in retrospect? If you could walk us through it, Alessandra, we would love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So happy to share that story. Um, uh, so the situation was that I, in the space that I'm in working on mental health at work, you know, I spent a lot of time networking and finding connections with other folks globally. And so I was on a, a call, a, a call with, um, I was all men. I was the only woman on the call. Um, and there was a gentleman there from South Africa, from Italy, um, from Germany and from, um, the UK. And we were talking about things about uh, setting boundaries. It, it kind of doesn't matter what the topic was. But the fact is that one of the members of the team uh, or the group made a comment that I found particularly offensive as a woman. And we had done a lot of work together and partnered. And um, as we were starting to close out the meeting, um, they said, does anybody have anything to share? And, you know, I really hemmed and hawed because um, it's important for me to build these relationships. I know culturally there are differences. I'm aware I'm speaking with people who are pretty open-minded. Um, and with that in mind, I said, you know, I have to speak up and just share something, um, as the only woman on this call, which is, uh, that, you know, what was said, could be to interpret it in a, in a very different way, I think, than was in, intended. And so I just articulated how I felt. And it's funny, what motivated me to do that wasn't just the safe space, but I've been spending a lot of time on TikTok. Uh, and on TikTok, with other women, um, other thought leaders around HR, around culture, around all of these things, and they're so uh, articulate in how they speak up, really emboldened me to be able to speak my mind. Um, it's an odd reason to be motivated, but it was it was the, the, the thing that inspired me to speak up. So between the space that was created and kind of that motivation to stand apart um, and, and finally kind of speak up, I did. And the reaction was, oh my gosh, what do we do? What do we say? How can we make it better? And, you know, honestly, and what I told them was, I just wanted to be heard. And that's all I needed. I just want you to have another perspective of how what you said could impact others. No apologies, nothing, nothing needed, just needed to share. I was so excited with their response, just that it was able to be able to be a successful conversation that um, I 
decided to post on LinkedIn, which you saw, and um, I did not expect the response I got. <laughs> I mean, I, I I end up getting about almost 400,000 uh, views on that post. It's the most viewed post I've had. I had over 3,000 comments on it. Um, and, and, and some of them I had to actually delete because they got a little trolly, I guess. Raucous, uh, yeah, yeah. I just, you know what? I just deleted those because that's not the the point. The point was for me to share an experience that I had in speaking up. And because so many times we don't, and so many times we just let it go or we explain it away or we don't feel brave enough, as you said, um, in order to do that. And I'd like to add to that. I recently taught a class on, um, it's called low friction feedback, but the point was about how do you speak up and share, create safe spaces. And there's this research on something called workplace social courage, which is, will I speak up at the risk of um, other kind of negative, potential negative impacts, like putting my my relationships at risk, putting my career at risk, et cetera. And so the things that they highlight in that are... Um, essentially the same as psychological safety. So in order to create a psychologically safe workplace, I have to invest in the relationships with other people, get to know people on a personal level, step in to help others when they need help, um, be available when others need someone to, t- to talk to. That's an investment in the social fabric of the organization. Um, and so I have to give in order to get, right? And so I think there's there's a lot to be learned when we talk about creating safe spaces that isn't just about receiving. It's about what do you give to create it because it has to be co-created. Well, thank you, Alessandra, for sharing that story. And, you know, it sounds as though this is something that you hemmed and hawed about, you know, in the moment. So this, you know, when we talk about bravery, sometimes it's planful, right? Hey, I need to say something to my boss next week. So I'm going to plan what I need to say and be prepared. And other times it's in the moment, right? Somebody says something or does something that, and suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, what do I, what do I do? And you hemmed and hawed, which is what most of our listeners probably would experience. And yet the outcome was fantastic. They received it well, it sounds as though, uh, as like, and then the feedback that you got from posting the story, other than the trolley type comments, was positive, right? So uh, I wish we could flip it and in our life, give you the plus feeling going in. So you know that you're about to help people in respect to their awareness or how they're saying things, which might be a blind spot. They might have just said it and didn't realize they said it, or maybe they meant it, who knows, but uh, you know, bringing that attention to a greater degree through help, right? That you're there to help, you're there to help the organization, you're there to help ensure that everybody feels equal And sometimes you have to pause the conversation to say, I don't know if anyone recognizes what was said earlier might have been offensive, but I'd like to talk about that for a minute. Mm -hmm. And that it's, it's how I presented it was, this is just one perspective, right? So I'd like to share my perspective. Um, And I realize there are other perspectives. I realize intent may be something completely different, but I just want you to have visibility into the impact that you've had. Um, that you may not be aware of. Yeah, I, we've talked on the podcast in the past that anytime that you're brave at work with one person or a group of people, you always have to be professional and you always have to be respectful. 
that if you're animated and losing it, you know, it probably wasn't the right time to give them feedback, but you'll turn people off by how you're presenting this hard to hear awareness versus being professional and respectful. And I'm sure you were, and I'm sure that helped them listen because you're a valuable member of the team and you wanted to share something with them that would help them ultimately. And, yeah. And uh, I think so by starting with that. Oh, thank you. I think by starting with that goal in mind and stating that goal, my purpose is X, um, that helps to, I think, diffuse a little bit, um, at least according to the research I've done on this topic. Um, if, if I say, and also if I start with, you know, from a place of curiosity and openness, but, um, you know, for that one time that you saw First of all, it wasn't just that I did it, and then I posted on LinkedIn. And that was another thing that I hemmed and hawed about. Like, why would I? I don't want to be that person. In fact, one of the troll trolling comments was, I bet you she did this on purpose. She probably already had, I had written a little post-it on my coffee mug that said, I spoke up. Um, And no, uh, and no, I also hadn't thought about posting it until a spontaneous moment. So um, you know, in hindsight, would I have done that? Pro- I don't know. It wasn't malicious or meant to be in any purposeful way. It was just something I thought was important and worth sharing. Well, the likelihood of somebody being so crafty that they say something with the in, in advance of it happening, as if you knew they were going to say that, which you didn't. Malicious. Yes. Malicious. Uh, oh, going to my plan. Yes. <laughs> oh, this but is going to be such a great LinkedIn post. I, I can't wait that. to put this on LinkedIn. It's going to go viral. No. Um, but that that's, I think, the opportunity we have with things like TikTok and LinkedIn. TikTok in particular is that we can share openly both our successes and our failures and learn from them. Absolutely. And we need to learn, right, how to get better and how to communicate more effectively and how to build better relationships. So we can be brave at work with people when we need to be. Alessandria, it has been great chatting with you today. Thank you so much for your thoughts and for sharing that great example of being brave in the moment. Again, we have two types of bravery. Some is planned and some is in the moment. What a fantastic example that you provided us. And can you share with folks how they can get in touch with your firm? And again, I would tell our listeners, it's not just to find out more about you, Alessandria, but also what your firm does and hopes that potentially it could be a service that's provided uh, their organization. Yeah, absolutely. So anybody who's interested can reach me at alessandria at verdantconsulting.net. That's our website, verdantconsulting.net. I'm also, as I said, I'm on LinkedIn and um, I post regularly on TikTok as your HR big sister. I love it. Wow. I never had an HR big sister when I was in HR. Now you do. (laughs) Now I do. Alessandria, thank you so much for being a guest on Be Brave at Work. Thanks for having me. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800 222-5963 or visit them for more information at capitrisk.com and reminder to check out my new book drive your career nine high impact ways to take responsibility for your own success which is available in paperback on kindle and in audio everywhere online do you have something to say yet are not saying it do you have something to do yet are not doing it 
Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.